Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. All right, all right, all right. Citizens, if you are awake, give me a year. If you're feeling like, if you're feeling on a scale of one to 10, if you're like at least above a five, give me like a year, year. Whoa, dude, that's awesome. There's some weeks, there's some weeks that I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? One to 10. And you're like, two. Anybody below an eight right now? Anybody lower than an eight and need some encouragement? All right, I got some encouragement for you. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Listen, if you are feeling like you cannot make it to the end of the week, if you are feeling like you just, there's no chance in the world that you're gonna make it over an eight, I have good news for you. Not the gospel, we'll get there. I have good news for you. Tomorrow is Friday. No, there's no school on Friday, baby. How many people have no school on Friday? How many of you have to go to school on Friday? Homeschoolers and private schoolers don't count, all right? Nope, tomorrow's the last day of school for the week, so yeah. Anybody, can we just give it up for no school Friday? You're like, I don't need an education. I don't need an education. This poor student, all right, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. I want you to get in the car with me for a few moments. I want you to get in the car with me for a few moments. We're gonna go somewhere, just for a few short moments. Then we're gonna go somewhere and we're gonna continue, we're gonna continue the journey that we have been on for the last couple of months. And I'm sad to say that today we begin the last chapter of First Thessalonians. Everybody give me an aw. Dude, this is special for you, right, dude? Wasn't your first Wednesday, the first Wednesday of Thessalonians? So you can literally like measure your age in terms of our series, right? This is week 10. You're like 10 weeks old in citizen's years, right? You're like a weaning puppy right now about to mature into the big dog world. Forget that. Anyway, open up your Bibles. Here we go. First Thessalonians, first Thessalonians. Next week is the final week. And today we begin chapter five, chapter five. Anybody in the room? Is there anybody in the room who does well with expressions. Anybody do like, okay, okay. Anybody pretty astute when it comes to English colloquialisms or sayings or, okay. Um, You're like, I don't even know how to spell or say colloquialisms. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. So there are certain sayings, right? (laughs) My small group, we met earlier today and we're reading the Bible and one one of my guys that will remain anonymous, his name is Skylar Goff, he said, he starts, oh, that's not how anonymous works. He starts making fun of another dude in the group who I won't tell you that his name is Ethan Adams. And he starts telling, dang it, I keep messing this up. And so he starts telling him, bro, you didn't even wake up for the first gathering. I was there first. Early bird catches the worm. And we all kind of look at each other and we go, good job. You got the worm. <laughs> it's an expression. It's a saying, right? I'm horrible at expressions. 
I'm horrible at sayings. My mind, it works so fast and fluid and that's just an excuse for not being able to think clearly. And I just, I'm just so smart, right? And I just think so fast that in any given moment, I cannot pull the right expression. So somebody was telling me a joke. They were trying to play a joke on me and I go, dude, are you twisting my tooth? And they just stop and they stare at me and I go, what? Like twisting, my, they go, you mean twisting your leg, pulling your arm? I get those confused, right? Are you twisting my tooth? What's another one? Are you, are you yanking my leg? No, no, are you yanking my chain? You're pulling my leg. You see, you see what I'm saying? Expressions are hard. And so in any given moment, if someone gives you an expression, you have to have the ability to translate it right away. Make sense? So have you ever heard of this expression? There are always two sides of a coin. What does that mean? There are two sides of the coin. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Someone who's smarter than me, what does that mean? Heads or tails, okay, Mike? There's two sides in an argument, right? Side A and side B, yeah, fair. Christian Bale? Say it again. Two sides to every story, right? There are two sides to the coin, meaning we can be talking about the exact same thing and yet there are two, sometimes very different sides. There are two aspects. And so me and you, students, me and you can be looking at the same thing. We can be talking about the same thing, but depending on your perspective, depending on where you're standing, depending on how you see it, we can be seeing something very differently. Last week at Citizens, we started talking about the end of the world. And we started talking last week. If you were here last week, if you weren't, jump on Facebook, watch the video, go to our website, listen to it, whatever. But we talked about how one day Jesus is coming back. Yeah, whoop, whoop, yeah right? I mean, I get, like, how do you respond to that? Like, yeah. So, like, what's the appropriate expression, right? Like, yeah. So, Jesus is coming back, and all of our friends who have passed away, all the Christians throughout human history who have died, on that day we will realize it's like they were just sleeping because death doesn't have the final say over them. Jesus does. And so when he comes back, we're gonna have a reunion and there's gonna be a day of celebration and the dead in Christ, don't weep for them, right? Don't mourn like you have no hope because they're gonna rise first. And then those who are alive, we're gonna be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And forever we will be with the Lord. And everybody said, yeah, right, whatever you did there, right? It's gonna be a day of celebration, dude. It's gonna be a day of celebration. It's gonna be a day of rescue. Day of rescue. But when you go throughout the Bible, you start reading some of the prophets and you read even the, some of the gospels and you read Paul and sometimes, and, and just follow me, Sometimes they talk about that day. Sometimes the Bible talks about the day that Jesus comes back. And if you're not really paying attention, it sounds to me, and again, I'm, I'm just a simple man, perhaps I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like when they talk about it, that it doesn't sound like a day for rejoicing. Sometimes the Bible talks about the day of the Lord and they talk about how it's a day to dread. And they say that the day that God returns, the day that he comes back and ends the world is a fearful day, a frightful day. And they talk about it like there's another side of the coin. 
and you read these passages and you go, wait a minute. Is the day that Jesus comes back, is that a day of rescue or is it a day of wrath? I mean, the Bible, like sometimes, like last week, we go, no way, this is gonna be an awesome day. Let's go, rescue, we're gonna be together with the Lord. And then sometimes you read it and you go, uh, which one is it? Will the end of the world, when Jesus comes back like the conquering king, will that be a day of rescue or will it be a day of wrath, students? And what we realize The answer is both because it's two sides of the same coin. Think about it, friends. We said last week even that when Jesus comes back, he is going to punish evil. Have you ever had a friend, maybe they're not a Christian, maybe they don't go to church. Have you ever had a friend say this to you? Like, I believe in God, but like, does he even care about all the evil going on in the world? Like I had a friend in high school and she said to me, she goes, I don't have a problem with the idea of God. I have an idea, I have a problem with a God who looks down at all of this evil and doesn't even care about it. Does God even care that there's evil? Does God even see what we're going through? Does God even care if he's there? And friends, the day that Jesus comes back, no one will be left wondering how God feels about evil. The day that Jesus comes back, he is going to demonstrate powerfully just how how, how much he has disdain for rapists, for people who sell children into sex slavery, for people who kidnap and murder. Nobody on that day is gonna accuse God of going, he doesn't even care about injustice. He doesn't care about evil. Doesn't he see what happened to me? He didn't do anything about it. On that day, he will. He will punish all evil. He will punish everything that has desecrated his creation and has made victims out of his humans. It'll be a day of wrath. It's the other side of the coin. Sometimes we hear about this this idea of wrath and we roll our eyes, right? I think of our our students who are at Camus High School right now, right? Right? And you guys are experiencing these picketers outside of your school and people that are screaming with with sandwich board signs and all this kind of stuff. And we roll our eyes because they're portraying God as some hateful God who's just (laughs) sneering, ready to strike people down. These self-righteous protesters, they walk around as if they can sick God on bad people, right? But students, when God comes back, It's not about him punishing people who make religious people angry. It's about him righteously and justly punishing and ending evil. It's a day of rescue, but it's also a day of wrath. And so for a few moments here, I want us to look at that day a little closer. I want us to look at the other side of the coin. Are you ready? Chapter five, verse one. For those of you who are new, here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna literally read it and we're gonna go down line by line and we're gonna see what God has to say to us through the Bible. Sound good? So when you go home here, you don't have to say that Sam had a lot of opinions. That Sam had a lot of thoughts. I do, but they're about stupid stuff like sports. That doesn't matter, right? This is not opinion. We're just gonna see word for word what God says and we're gonna respond. Are you ready? If you're cool with that, give me like a yeah. Yeah. Nice. Here we go, starting in verse one. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, 
you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace, there is security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. I know that you looked on the internet yesterday and I know that you saw the latest person who predicted when the world will end. But what the Bible tells us students is that Jesus will return unexpectedly and suddenly, okay? They know this. Paul says to them, he goes, listen, I don't need to tell you about the times and the seasons. You already know. Nobody knows when the world is ending. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. I remember when I was in, in college, our um, kind of our unofficial mantra, I graduated in 2012. And so uh, our unofficial tagline, my advisor didn't let us make this our, our uh, what's that called? Our motto, yeah. Our class motto had to be like something from the Bible. I was like, what if our class motto is saving the best for last? Because everybody thought the world would end in 2012. Are you guys old enough to remember that in 2012? We, I graduated in 2012. I literally wanted our motto to be saving the best for last because it's over after this. We graduate, boom. I remember, I remember one of my dudes came to the office a couple months ago. He goes, hey, did you know that the world's gonna end next week? I go, oh, really? I hadn't checked my Facebook feed. Tell me about that. He goes, yeah, the, the, uh, the eclipse, you know, it's the end of the world. At least that's what I read on Facebook. The guy on Facebook is wrong, okay? No one knows when Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, the Bible says it's going to be like a thief in the night. How many of you know, perhaps you don't have vast experience as a thief? You're like, not, not me, dude. I like every night, I like practice. Okay, cool. Um, don't tell me, <laughs> all right? Because then I'm obligated to do something about it. Please don't tell me. I don't want to know how you got the Rolex. Just, I'm going to pretend like you're rich, okay? So uh, for those of you who don't know, though, a thief, when they come into the house, they don't find a family sitting there going, welcome, we have the table set, we've been waiting for you. You know, like the thief doesn't ring the doorbell, walk in and have like a fancy meal there waiting for him. He doesn't walk in and the people are sitting on the couch reading their book going, perfect, we've saved you a seat. A thief, he usually comes at night, right? A thief, when he breaks into a house, he finds people. They're not expecting him. They're not prepared. They're not even alert. A thief finds people oblivious. He finds them snoozing. In the same way, when Jesus comes back, he will find people oblivious. He will find people unsuspecting, certainly not prepared. He's going to, there will be people, no doubt, because he's coming suddenly and unexpectedly, there will be people that are not ready. There will be people that they say, peace, security. Somebody's coming back, end of the world. Poo-poo, nonsense. No, no, no. Guys, this is, these are times of prosperity. Things are good right now, right? I don't believe this Jesus guy is coming back. These are people, they don't follow Christ. They say, no, guys, these are times of wealth. These are good time. The whole Christian message of day of the Lord and, and he's coming back, that's just so like cliche. That, stop it. That's so frustrating. That's so archaic and intolerant and aggravating. No one's coming. That's what these people say. Pee, it's time of peace. Security, stop it with your Jesus garbage. No, stop it. Nobody's coming. It's like a thief in the night. He'll find people unexpected. And so because they don't think that Jesus is coming back, what do they do? They live their own way. 
These are the people where you look at their lifestyle and you can tell just by the way that they live that they are not expecting Jesus to come back because they don't obey him. These are the people, they live as if no one is coming to judge sin and evil. So students, needless to say, those people will be surprised. You know what it's gonna be? You know what it's gonna be like for those people? It's gonna be like labor pains. How many people have ever had, I'm just kidding, no, right? I don't want all the dudes. Dude, you know what labor pains are like? I don't, right? Yeah, I shouldn't say. Labor pains, they're just sudden, right? Like my wife had a baby and so I didn't feel them, but I observed them. And labor pains are like, there's no warning. It's not like, wait for it, human contraction, bam! Nope, you're doing the dishes, boom! You're sitting there like, everything's fine. Boom! You're like, you're sitting there, you go plenty of time. Boom! You're like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's 10 o'clock at night and you're like going to lay down and you go, man, it didn't come today. Maybe tomorrow, boom! Do you know what it's like to be woken up by labor pains at 10.30 at night? It's sudden, no warning. In the same way, Jesus coming will be like that. But students, I want you to look here very carefully, all right? Let's look at what the Bible says. Because not only will that day surprise them, it'll destroy them. Not only will that day surprise them, it says destruction will come upon them. For these people, they go, there's no, there's no coming. I'm gonna live for my own. I'm not gonna obey Jesus. He's not coming back. For those people, they're not gonna experience a day of hope. They're not gonna experience a day of celebration. When Jesus comes back, it's not a day of rescue. For them, it's a day of judgment and destruction. These people are going to experience the worst side of the coin. Students, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? All right, shh, hypothetical. <laughs> like, you're like, oh man, I don't know, should I answer? No, I don't wanna know, just think about it. Like real talk, not like, because sometimes we do this and I catch you guys. We're like, oh, real life, real life. Oh, Jesus mode, yes. Christian answers, Bible verses, bless you, right? It's like, no, no, just like real talk. Like in your real life, in the most real part of who you are, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming back? So the question for you is this then. What will that day be for you? Which side of the coin will you experience on that day? Students, Jesus is coming back. That's not in question. The question is, will it be a day of wrath or will it be a day of rescue? When the thief comes, will he surprise you and destroy you? Here's how you can tell. You wanna know if the thief will surprise you and destroy you? You wanna know what you'll, what you'll experience in that day? Ask yourself this question. Are the lights on? Are the lights on? Think about it, look at it, verse four. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, 
And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Do you wanna know if this day will surprise you and destroy you? Ask yourself this, are the lights on? Think about it. The thief who breaks into your house, he will only surprise and destroy you if you're in the dark. And so in the same way, Jesus coming will surprise you and destroy you only if you're in the dark. What do I mean by this? What does it mean to be in the dark? Dark and light. Everybody say dark and light. Dark and light is this metaphor that is used all throughout the Bible right? You have these two sides. There's dark and there's light. And so here we have darkness, right? And so darkness is the realm. Think about it. Darkness, it's pretty intuitive. We get this. Nobody sees darkness and light. This is a guy, he's making his, he's making his comeback. This is from like week two. Go back and watch the Thessalonians video, okay? He's here. Nobody Nobody really confuses the metaphor of dark and light. It's pretty intuitive, right? It kind of makes sense. Darkness is a metaphor for sin, Darkness is a metaphor for those things that we do not want people to see that we're doing, right? Darkness is a metaphor for things that you go, you know what? I just rather people not really know this. I rather keep the lights off for this. In other words, I rather keep it secret. This is the realm of things that we say, you know what? I, I rather just keep this in the dark. I rather just keep the lights off when I'm doing this. This part of my life, no, I don't, that's not, that's just for me. That's what darkness is. At the same time, there's a metaphor for light. And again, just as intuitive, right? Light is a metaphor. If this is what darkness is, light is a metaphor for all things that are good, righteous, and pure. When the Bible talks about the light, it's talking about that realm of things where everything is clean, right? Where there's purity. There's no need to turn the lights off here because people who live in the light, there's nothing to hide. Everything here, this is the realm. This is the kingdom of things that are innocent and upright. Those who live in the light have nothing to fear. You wanna know if the thief will destroy you? Ask yourself the question. Are the lights on? And so look at the, look what the text says. Look at the, good, look at the good news here, okay? There is good news here, I promise. Do you see the good news? Look what he says. Ready? You ready? You watching it? You are not in darkness, brothers. You're not in darkness, brothers. Brothers and sisters, Followers of Christ, children of God, good news. This is not your realm. This is not where you live. And so when you come and follow Christ, he makes you brand new. What Christ does in your life is so radical that it's like he changes your address. He takes you and transfers you from that kingdom, from that realm, and he comes and he puts you in the kingdom of his beloved son. This is the gospel, students. This is what Jesus does. You belong to a new realm. This is radically new. You're in a new kingdom. This is why, I love what Courtney said earlier about baptism. How many of you have been baptized? Oh, I love that, awesome, great. Those of you who are baptized, this is why baptism is so powerful. 
Because it's like we're literally saying, right? Somebody get the tub ready. Anybody have the tub? We gotta baptize this guy. Like right now, get me water. Water! I'm just kidding, okay? We'll baptize him tomorrow, tomorrow, right? So <laughs> baptism, it's literally like saying the old person, he's dead. He's not there anymore. I'm not about that life anymore. When God saved Sam Cassis, the old Sam Cassis died. Bro, when you got baptized on the beach, I love that story. When we first started Thessalonians, when you got baptized on the beach, you know where the old Colton is? He's still on the beach. He's like floating with the sharks. He's swimming with the sharks. My uncle Vinny, he's got him. Boom, right? Did you get baptized by a dude named Vinny by any chance? That'd be awesome. Yo, Vinny took me down to the beach and now old Colton's swimming with the sharks, right? The old you is dead. So when we get baptized, it's a picture to say, Jesus has transferred me from the kingdom of darkness and now I live in the kingdom of light. A couple of weeks ago, we, we moved the chairs and we introduced the metaphor. When God saves you, it's like he puts you on the road marked holiness. Remember that? Remember that? Like, woof, this is short. You guys are like goldfish here, right? All the guppies in the room. You're like, which road? Okay. When God saved you, it's like he picked you up out of your old life and he put you on the road marked holiness. But here's another metaphor. Here's another way to say it. When God saved you, he brought you out of darkness and and he transferred you into light. This is the gospel. Colossians chapter one, it says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Students, do you crave the light? Do you crave, like honestly, like do you ever just crave purity? Are you ever so painfully aware of how you're not that? You ever feel shame? You ever feel dirty? Do you ever feel like your whole life is one giant secret that if anybody saw you for who you really were, if anybody saw what actually happened in your heart? Like, dude, I used to have this thought, right? I used to have this thought that if people knew who I really was, I'd literally have no friends, right? I used to think I was the only one. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized, oh, that's literally the thought of every teenager, right? Every single one of you is like, I don't know. I won't have friends if people know who I really am. Like, do you crave the light? Do you crave this purity and this innocence that we're talking about here? Good news. In Christ, there's purity. In Christ, you have the opportunity to be transferred from darkness to light. Only in Christ, friends, only in Jesus can, you, can it be said of you that we are not of the night or of the darkness. Students, put your faith in Jesus. You don't get, like the dude didn't get over here. Like imagine, this could have been really interesting. Imagine dudes hanging up on the kingdom of darkness and I sit here and I'm like, hey, get over there. Hey, get over there. Hey, try harder, right? No matter how much I scream at him, he's not getting over there. He had to be delivered. And so students' youth group is not the, it's not the student hour where I come and I scream at you, try harder. It's a time where I come and I tell you, no matter how hard you try, you can't do it. So what you need to do is call out to the only one who can do it, who can pick you up by the shoulders like that and deliver you. And his name is Jesus. 
Do you want to live in the light, students? All you have to do is ask him. You tired of the garbage of that kingdom? All you do is you say, Jesus, save me. Save me. He's brought you into the light, students. Those of you who raised your hand and you said, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized. He's brought you into the light. And so there's only one thing left to do. Live like it. Jesus brought you into the light. So live like it. There are certain things over here. Everybody say darkness. There are certain things that belong to this kingdom, right? Just like sleeping, getting drunk, just like those things belong to nighttime, in the same way, sin belongs to the darkness. And so the point is super clear. Because you're not of the darkness, because you're now in the light, don't do those things anymore. Don't do the things that are associated with the darkness as others do because we belong to the night. We belong to the day. We belong to the day. He brought you here, so live like it. That's what Paul is saying. And so why don't we just pause for 10 seconds here and I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you living in the light? Students, are there things in your life that belong to the realm of darkness? You know how you can tell? You know how you know? Just ask yourself, do you feel more comfortable with the lights off? Do you feel more comfortable when things are in secret? Are you looking for secrecy? Are you looking for privacy? Chances are it's of the darkness. Because if the things you're doing are of the light, if they're pure and holy and clean, there's no need for shame. There's no need for secrecy. Students, Jesus is coming back. And so the big idea tonight is simple. Live in light of Jesus' return. He's coming back, students. Live in light of Jesus' return. Students, I'm pleading with you. Live in the light, not so that Jesus will love you, but because he has already loved you and has saved you and transferred you to the kingdom of his son. So please live in the light. Live in light of Jesus' return. He's coming back. Live like it. Christ, he changes your identity. He makes you a child of a different kingdom which means he also changes your destiny. Check it out. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Students, we see here in the last few verses that Christ changes your kingdom and your destiny. Let's think about this. People who live in the darkness on that day, on the day of the Lord, they are going to experience wrath, right? The text says 
wrath because they are doing, they are engaging in the very things that God is going to punish. Their destiny is going to be to experience punishment because when God pours out his wrath on all of the things that are evil, when he punishes all of the things that are wrong in this world, they're gonna be found there. Now, I want to pause here for a second, okay? Especially in light of all the picketers going on at Camus, especially in light of all the Facebook posts talking about how God hates people and all this, and I can't wait for God to come and punish you. We, we need to wrestle with the concept in a biblical way of God's wrath. Is his wrath archaic? I can't believe you believe in a God. He's so intolerant. Is the concept of God's wrath, is that archaic? Is it barbaric? Is that the opposite of love? Is wrath the opposite of love? You know what I believe, students? I believe that wrath is actually an expression of love. I believe wrath is actually an expression of love. If God was indifferent toward all of the evil in the world, if God looked at all of the rapists and all of the child pornographers and all of the sex slaves and, or, or the, the pimps and all these, if God looked at the people who are perpetrating evil in the world and just goes, eh, whatever. That's not loving. Have you ever watched a movie and the bad guy's getting away and you're just like, Like, do you ever just like lose your mind? You're like, no, because nobody watches television like you. Probably true. But maybe it's not in a movie. Maybe it's in real life. You get into a fight, right? Somebody attacks you, you defend yourself. Who gets suspended? You do. Kids are picking on, the, on, this, on this kid, right? These bullies beating up on this kid every single day, every single day. Nobody says anything. Finally, the kid who's getting picked on, bah, knocks one of the bullies out. He's expelled. Exactly. If you would have seen her face right there, that's what I'm talking. <gasps> that's not loving. You don't look at people who have women in collared chains around their necks, in cages, in third world countries. You don't look at that and say, man, I think judgment is just so intolerant. Just be loving. To destroy those people is loving. If I see snakes coming full speed at my two-year-old, my love for him is about to be expressed in wrath toward them. Do you understand? Wrath is not the opposite of love. It's the fullest expression of true love. And so when God comes back, students, and I read in the Bible that it says that God, it's gonna be a day of wrath for some people, I actually find that comforting. I don't find it barbaric. I don't find it archaic. I don't find it intolerant. <laughs> Nobody would find it that if they thought it through. The only reason why people get uncomfortable with the idea of wrath is because they realize, uh-oh, I've wronged people. I've messed up. I've stolen. I've lied. I'm guilty. And so as a matter of self-defense and self-preservation, now we want to attack the idea of wrath. Wrath is not the opposite of love. It's the fullest expression of it. Here's the comfort. Here's the good news of the gospel. 
because of Christ, that day, this is Sam Cassis, this is me, because of Jesus Christ, that day will not be a day of wrath for me. It's going to be a day of rescue. Not because I'm the man, not because I'm perfect, not because I'm better than you, not because I've never messed up, simply because I know Jesus Christ. I'm comforted by that day, not because I'm exempt by nature, but because Jesus Christ, he has died for me. And he's taken the punishment that I deserve. And if it wasn't for Jesus taking my punishment, that would be a day of wrath for me. Students, look what it says, right? It says that we obtain salvation. Have you ever heard a Christian say this phrase? I'm saved. Or when I got saved, or Jesus saved me. Have any of you ever, how many of you have ever used that? And you ever talk about your salvation in terms of being saved? Anybody? You ever ask the question, saved from what? You know, Jesus saved me from myself. He saved me from bad decisions. He, no, actually the Bible says, He saved you from the wrath of God. He saved you because you and me and every single person on this earth has done things that deserve punishment. But he saves us because he died for us. He stepped in the way and he said, you know what? I will take the punishment that you deserve. Why, Jesus? Are you getting credit for this? No, because I love you. That's why this day is a day of rescue because Jesus died so that I and every single person who follows him may live and not die. This is the gospel, students. Will that day be a day of wrath for you or will it be a day of rescue? Jesus doesn't sweep our sins under the rug. That's not just. I can't, I don't wanna serve a God who goes, you know what? I know you murdered some people and I know you molested that child and I know you have 17 girls in your possession. You know what, just sweep it under the rug because I'm loving. That's not loving. It makes me angry to think about that. But what is loving is that he looks at all of those people and he says, you know what, you deserve the most powerful punishment I could even think of. But you know what? If you humble yourself and you come to me and you repent, I'll take your punishment on myself. That's love. Nobody wants to go to court where the judge says, yeah, you know what, don't worry about it. But imagine going to a court where the judge bangs the gavel and he says, guilty, 20 life sentences, death penalty. And then he comes down and gets in the cuffs and walks away. Everybody goes, where are you going? He goes, I'm gonna pay this penalty myself. That's love. Justice. But it's love. Students, darkness is no longer my story. That's no longer my story. And so for me personally, the day of the Lord is nothing to fear. He changed my kingdom. He changed my destiny. He's coming back. And so you know what? Let's live in light of his return. He's coming back, students. Live in light of his return. Every single one of you, and I can say this with a smile on my face because I love you and I, and I know that there's hope after this statement, but every single one of you deserves punishment for your sin. Oh, how could he so, oh my gosh, this doesn't even know me. Oh my goodness. He did. All right, I'll ask you, do you deserve punishment? Yeah, right? It just feels better when I say it. We all deserve punishment for our sins, students. 
I'm not better than you. Oh, well, you're a preacher and you have a microphone. That makes you perfect. No, none of us is better than anyone. The only difference is that some people will get there on that day and they will pay for their sins. And others of us will stand there having Jesus paid it for us. Everyone deserves punishment. Will you pay for your sin on that day or will you stand there saved because Christ paid it for you? What kind of day will that be for you? If this is you, if this student hear me, right? This is what Citizens is all about. Oh, is that a youth group? Is that a community group? Is that a boys and girls club? Is that the why I'm saying? This is not a hangout. This is the place where we tell you what you will only hear here. You're not gonna hear this in track. You're not gonna hear this in chess club. You're not gonna hear it in AAA basketball. You're not gonna hear this in AAU. You're not gonna hear it on the swim team. This is what Citizens is about. We are telling you that if you are here, there is hope. If you are here, you do not have to leave today without talking to a leader or someone and praying. And if you don't wanna be here, simply saying, Jesus, would you save me? This is, this is what makes us unique. We're literally telling you that God will do this through Christ and he will transfer you students. If you're here tonight and you need this to be your story, you need God to deliver you from the domain of darkness and transfer you to the kingdom of his beloved son. If you need to experience redemption, if you need to experience the forgiveness of your sins and become a child of God, all you need to do, come to him humbly and ask him to save you. For you, living in light of Jesus' return, it means starting a relationship with Jesus. And I'm praying for those of you who are here today and you're saying, dude, I'm gonna be honest, that's me. As we do music at the end, as we hang out, like, what are you waiting for? Well, I don't understand everything. And I mean, I've never read the whole book three times backwards. Until I do that, I can't. It's so simple. You wanna know the gospel? You don't need a 500 page scientific explanation. Uh, there's the gospel. You wanna hear the gospel? Well, it all started with, uh. And as God is pursuing you and as he's putting people in your life that tell you this good news and as he's even speaking into your heart now, that's the Holy Spirit saying, I can transfer you. I can change your destiny because of Jesus. I'm praying for you tonight. And those of you who are here that you're like, dude, this is my story, right? Like, amen, dude. Like, is this your story? Like you look at this and you're not indifferent. You're like, oh, that's cool. What an illustration. Wow, the eyes. Why is he so angry? Like you're not just sitting back. There's something inside of you that says, yes, that's my story. There's something inside of you right now that gets excited because you realize that's right. I'm not destined for wrath. My destiny is to live with God forever. And if that's you, the way that you live in light of Jesus' return, look at the last part of the verse. Encourage one another and build one another up. Christians, you know how you can live in light of Jesus' return? Remind each other. You're hanging out in homeroom. Imagine that, like how weird would this be? Slash awesome. If we're like sitting in homeroom and we're like, oh, Lily, dude, I forgot to tell you. Jesus is coming back. Just, I just wanna encourage you because I know it's like hump Wednesday and it's so tough, but like good news, Jesus is stinking coming back. Thank you. No, seriously, Thanks. More seriously though, your friend is going through a depression. Your friend is feeling just like so overwhelmed by their sin. Your friend is feeling shame 
of their decisions and to remind them, hey, let me encourage you. Let me build you up here. That's not your identity. Jesus has transferred you. You can live in the light, not because of your willpower, but because of Jesus' power. Live in light of Jesus' return. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your, your message here tonight, God. I thank you for the Bible that, that speaks so clearly to us. And Lord, there's so many voices, voices of hate and violence and all of these things. But Lord, your Bible, your word is a clear and helpful description of truth. It is truth. And I thank you that it guides us, Lord. Father, I pray for students right now that they're here and they go, man, you know what, to be honest, I'm in darkness. Lord, I know that no amount of speaking can convince them. I know that no, no magic formula can, Lord, it's by your spirit. So Lord Jesus, do what only you can do so that you would receive all the glory. Open up their minds to understand. Soften their hearts, Lord. Give them a desire and a hunger for you that exceeds their hunger and desire for the world. And then, Lord, for the Christians in this room, Lord, I thank you. Lord, there are so many stories and examples of your redemption. God, there are so many students here who have experienced your salvation and they've been baptized and they're growing in their faith and they're still standing and, they're, and they keep walking. For them, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done there. Help them to live in light of your return. Help these students, Lord, to grow in maturity. Help them to build one another up and encourage each other to live in the light, not to be a temptation and pull people away from the light, Lord. Let all of this be done to your glory. Let all of these students be standing there on that day, not experiencing the other side of the coin, but experiencing your salvation, redemption, and rescue. We pray this in Jesus' name, the great Savior. And everyone said, amen. Amen.